Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with John and Heather of Paxis Group. Paxis Group, a high-quality custom builder located in the heart of Georgia's lake country, has been using their experience, integrity, and expertise in the industry to build lifestyles for their clients since John and Heather founded the company in 2003. Whether a client is dreaming of a lakeside cottage, a home renovation, a sprawling estate, or an elegant townhouse, Paxis can transform that dream into a beautiful and functional reality. With an experienced team of accomplished building professionals who understand all sides of the industry, Paxis not only has the skills to get the job done, but they are also dedicated to responsibility, honesty, to always striving to get better, and offering value to their clients and community. Now for the conversation with John and Heather. Hey, John. Hey, Heather. Glad to have you with me today. Hi, Spencer. Good to be here. Good to see you, Spencer. Great to be here. Yeah. Yeah. To kick things off, why don't you guys just give everyone kind of a rundown of, you know, the the business you're in, what kinds of projects you're doing, where you're located, all that good stuff. Yeah. So we're a custom design build firm located in Eatonton, Lake Oconee, Georgia. Primarily most of our most of our work focuses in the Lake Oconee and Atlanta area. And we try to cater to high quality minded owners that are looking to create a, a design that's special to them. Typically it's retirement homes or second homes for most people. And uh, we just like to take kind of our experience and uh, try to input and try to make the building process and design process as uh, enjoyable as possible while we build lifestyles for people. Cool, cool. Yeah. And I want to get into some of the stuff that you're doing now. But uh, before we do that, let's let's go back in time a little bit. You know, where, where did this all start to get you to where you are today? Yeah. So early on in my career, I was on a totally different end of the spectrum. I was working in commercial higher ed buildings and stadiums and uh, municipal buildings throughout the Eastern United States, primarily Eastern United States. Probably 10, 12 years, probably about 12 years into my career, a someone I had worked with in the commercial world reached out and said he had an opportunity building condominiums in in the Atlanta area. And being from the commercial world, I was pretty reluctant to move over to what I considered the residential world. Heather and I decided to kind of move our family at that point to the Atlanta area and dive into the residential world. So that was in 2003. And since then, it's history. We've, We've loved the residential world. And we've done everything from apartments to townhomes, for sale townhomes, condominiums, 
and uh, custom custom single family homes. And we, we love it. That's interesting. You said you were reluctant to go into residential, but you guys made that decision anyway. Heather, what, do you remember parts of that discussion or why you guys ended up doing that, even though there was maybe some reluctance? <laughs> so my initial background was not construction. I have a bachelor of science in horticulture. So when I met John, I was actually working at a large tree farm and he was specking trees for the for the DOT. So we started dating, got married, made the move like he just discussed. And I wasn't going to look for work immediately. I was sort of just getting my feet on the ground in Atlanta, trying to figure out where I wanted to work. And the company he was working for reached out and said, well, what are you doing right now? Are you interested in coming in for an interview? So I came in for an interview. I got the job. And that was my launch into real estate. I did not know the commercial world before that. So I didn't know anything other than residential. But John coaxed me along and and got me involved. And and I haven't looked back since. Right on. Yeah. Well, it sounds like in hindsight, it was was a good move and and it all worked out. I'm curious, when you you got there, you kind of made the shift. It sounds like you had a a business partner or something. I'm curious about how that transitioned to kind of the we'll call it like 1.0 to 2.0, like doing condos. And then how did that all evolve from there? The whole reason for kind of moving to begin with is the person that I had worked with in the past had some challenges with the existing contractor that was on the project. And it was a pretty pretty challenging project. It was a 26-story high-rise in, in downtown Atlanta that was that was primarily condominiums. So he needed, it wasn't the residential component that he needed the expertise in. He needed the expertise in building that type of structure. And also what he was finding was that people that he was reaching out to in the residential world at the time didn't have processes and systems and didn't have kind of that commercial construction experience that I was able to bring to the table. So when we've moved forward in looking at things, we've always tried to really focus on the processes and the systems and and the pre-construction mm-hmm. services that were an absolute in the commercial world that were almost non-existent in a lot of the residential experiences that we had had. So it's been really a neat kind of morph that I, you know I cut my teeth and I learned and all my training wheels and learning how to how to kind of work on my own was done on that commercial and a very structured system and then we've had to kind of over the years adapt to the residential world and the residential trade partners and the residential designers and architects that typically are not as structured you know seeing a set of plans come out on a residential project may may be you know 10 to 12 pages long we're on a commercial project, it may be a hundred page set of documents mm-hmm. plus a three inch. So trying to figure out how we work with that, how do we communicate on that? How do we find a happy medium that we can still satisfy the needs that work in my mind on how a project should be run, but be able to communicate not just to the homeowners, but the trade partners and suppliers so we can still get that end product that we need. I find that that concept of like moving either from one area of an industry to another like you did or even outside the industry to a different one sometimes that gives you an advantage you know because you see things differently than everyone else that's just kind of like in the industry and you get a little bit you get those blinders on 
how did that transition go? You know, you were probably coming at it from like, we need all these details, all these systems. And then maybe, you know, people you're coordinating with were a little more loose on some of those things. Do you feel like it's added to your differentiation and kind of what sets you guys apart or has it, has it been smooth or are there, you know, bumps in the road working with people that are like, Oh, this is too much detail for me. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think when 2008 through 2010 happened, you know, that was, that was a change for everybody. That was a little bit of a wake up call. It was a pause. It was a reset. And at that time, when we had come down, we had really focused on that high rise and we had continued along that same type of construction for a number of years. So from that 2003 all the way up to 2008, we were pretty pretty much building pretty complex for sale condominium or mixed use deals. So we were able to implement still a lot of those systems and details and specs and a lot of the things that we were doing in the commercial world. When we got to 2010 and, and we were starting to start the wheels moving again, we made a commitment to diversify in locales, not just focused on the Golden Triangle of Atlanta, but we, we decided to spread out a little bit more. But we also said we were going to diversify in services as well. And by us diversifying in, in locations as well as services, we had to put some of that other stuff aside and say, okay, we were going to reach out to the, to the renovation side. We were going to reach out to the single family side or the townhome construction and that type of a thing. And in doing so, we had to, to, to kind of pick and choose and say, okay, what's the most important items of what we used to use? What gives us the highest impact? What protects us the most? almost doing a SWOT analysis on our systems and our processes in the past and say, what serves us best in the future? Now, in doing so, we've actually had to go back and say, okay, maybe we got too lax in certain areas, or maybe we're too stringent in certain areas. So that's a constant refinement based on the people, based on your clients, based on how much detail do you really need. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of a for us, that's a dynamic piece of our business is figuring out what is the right mix of system, process, organization, mm -hmm. and what just organically happens. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense that, that that's an ongoing discussion for sure. Heather, I'm curious, you know, you guys are both both active in the business now. Like, what are you guys focused on? And then how do you guys divide and conquer on like roles and responsibilities and that sort of thing? Well, that's morphed a lot too, but we've, we really had a sit down strategy meeting at the end of last year and really identified roles because we are a small business owner that's growing and we can't do it all. So even though like I used to be in design and selections with clients and it's so time consuming that we ended up hiring a, a design and selection coordinator. And that's all she does is, is coordinate those selections and communicate with the team. And so my, my roles have gone from, you know, five roles to two roles, really. And John's the same. We're trying to all of us pick our lane and stay in our lane because it doesn't work when we get in the way of ourselves. If I'm jumping out to a selection meeting because I'm used to doing it or I like it, then my, you know, I'm also in accounting, then something in accounting is dropping then, you know, and payables and receivables are 
you know, the bloodline of your company. And so that's my lane. And that's, you know, me learning to stay in my lane is as we grow has been challenging. But but I think we're doing a great job at it, too. We just have to remind ourselves, is that your lane? You know, and sometimes it's not. Yeah, yeah. And that that is challenging, especially if you like certain areas. Well, I'm curious, too, either of you chime in if something comes to mind, but over maybe the past, like, five, seven, eight years, something like that. What do you think has been the toughest part about just building and growing a business? I think if you go back to the 2010, where, where I'd shared about diversification of services and, and, and locations, we've been really fortunate in that whatever we have kind of committed to do, it's really taken off and we've done really well on referrals and had successes with clients. That doesn't mean that we've had that we haven't had stumbling blocks along the way. And we've had some clients that that maybe would have been better fit for someone else. But we have had a lot of luck and continued repeat work with different clients. And what that did at one point is it spread us out all over the map. At one point, we went from being just working on a, a high rise in Atlanta to we found ourselves in 19 different, you know, working in 19 different states and had, you know, a lot of employees. And our services were ranging anywhere from single family homes to townhomes to condominiums to apartment renovations to new apartment construction. It was it was all over wow. the map. And it was very hard to to really focus. And a few years ago we decided to hit reset again. And, and when we Again. did that, we tried to say, well, you know, we were we were in a forced reset at one point, and this time it was kind of a voluntary reset. You know, your computer's not working, you're getting glitches all over the place. What does the IT guy tell you to do? Have you restarted your computer? So we restarted our computer and we decided to to make a move and look at trying to look at how do we get the most out of what we do vocationally as well as avocationally? How do we be really successful at home and how do we be really successful at work? And it it really made us look at what the company is, what's our mission statement and what's our core values. And in doing so, we had to make a choice and say, do we want to create jobs for ourselves or do we want to build a business? And that's what we've really been focused on over this last last year to begin with, is we looked at how do we get Heather and I more out of every single facet and every single function of the business and pull us back and become more of leaders and more of a oversight role. And there's certain things that we still have daily contact with and and we're hands-on with, but we're really focused on creating a a great environment that all of our our employees and partners that we work with can really excel and move forward in what they're best at. And then looking at our trade partners, how can we create that win-win with them as well? It's allowed us to focus at who do we want to do business with in our office, outside of our office and trade partners and clients. And where does our skill set work the best? Because we're not the best fit for everybody. And we're good with that now, as opposed to the past, when you came out of the the downturn in 08 through 10, you didn't want to say no to anybody. And I still don't, I'm not comfortable and don't like saying no, but we know it's in the best interest of 
everybody we work with at certain times to just recognize what is the best fit. And I think that's one thing that we've really learned and we've really embraced. And that's one of our focuses this year is saying, okay, what are you really good at? Where are your strengths? Try to keep doing that. Try to identify your weaknesses as quick as possible so we can get that trained up or move that out of your responsibility matrix. And then let's let's try to move forward as a team together. That's super cool. That sounds like a really, I mean, you said it was a voluntary reset of the, the computer, but I like it. it. sounds like it was a super intentional decision. Like, what are we trying to do with this thing that we've got? You know, we've got a lot of good things going, but we're also spread a little bit thin. So that's cool. I think that's not always the case. I think some people just kind of, they keep running and running and running. And then you look up and, you know, you're like, wait, is that what we wanted to build? Or did it just kind of evolve that way? So I think that's, it's cool to hear about that that shift. When you guys think about today and what the business looks like and you're trying to, you know, continue to transform it a little bit, what gets you fired up to get up in the morning and and get back at it? I mean, for me it's the team. It's the team of everybody we work with. You know, we've tried really hard to to put people in places that they can be successful. And again, when I look at the team, I always I I think in threes and I think of in-house trade partners and clients, everybody that we're dealing with, you know, it's really exciting for us to look at new projects and look at what we're doing. And, you know, for an example, like dealing with you guys, it was a, it was a big step for us to move forward working with you. We hadn't done that type of thing in the past. And we looked when we brought you on, one thing that Heather and I had to do is say, are they a good fit for our team? Do they speak the same language? What's the cost benefit analysis on it? But then when you see how the team kind of works and communicates back and forth, that's really exciting. And we love what we do. And that's, I think, one Mm -hmm. thing Heather and I is when we talk about it, we like being involved, not because we don't think other people are capable, but you can sit and you can pass by a conversation and all of a sudden you're like, oh, Ooh, I, this gets me excited. Let me get in here and let me jump in. Get me in on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's exciting what we do and we have the passion. So, I mean, that's the thing for me is, is we love what we do. I think we're really good at it. Doesn't mean that we don't have room for improvement. God knows we have a lot of room for improvement, but we're also not afraid to look at where are our weakest points and let's figure out how to, how to grow on that and just continue to get better. I don't know yeah. what gets Heather up and gets her excited, but we're different. I'm really the morning guy. She's more of the afternoon lady. <laughs> yeah, I just want to reiterate what he said. Like we we went from a team of 38 people in Atlanta, in a big office space in Atlanta to 19 states. It was like, you know, just mass, felt like mass. Everybody wanted a title, director of this, you know, director of that. When we made the move, when we decided to get out of that sort of business and make the move to the lake. We made the move for a couple of personal reasons, but now we're, you know, a team of what are we, 12 now, John? 12 or yeah. 15? We talk we talk a lot about getting the right people on the bus, not just a lot of people on the bus, like in Atlanta. It felt like we just had a lot of people on the bus doing a lot of things and not making a lot of revenues or you know, profit. Plenty of revenue, not a lot of profit. So you know, we had to ask ourselves, like what John said, are we doing this just to pay a, so we get a salary? Because I'll go work for somebody else and not have the risk just for a salary. So when we moved out to the lake and now we have this team of what I consider A players and not just on the bus, 
but we're putting them in the right seats. And if they're not A players, they're B B plus players wanting to be A players. And weeding through that to get to the team we have right now, it's 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 what motivates me to get up in the morning is 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 our staff because they're they're phenomenal right now. I can't I can't speak enough about them. So and that we're heading in the right direction. I know that we're all in the right seat. We've got this, you know, we we have a year plan, but we also have a five year plan, you know. But that five year plan starts this week. So Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That was one of the things I think that surprised me the most too about building up this business is like, I don't know, at the beginning it was just me. So, you know, it's like, oh, okay, what what's going on here? But then as you bring on, <laughs> as you bring on people, you realize like, this is everything, right? Like this is, this is family. This is team. This is like, we're in this together. Like there's a lot of other things people could go do. And they've said, Hey, no, I want to be a part of this, you know, and that 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 carries a lot of a lot of weight and a lot of like yeah it's really it's a it's a really cool thing when you've got the right people in the right seats so that's that's fun to hear about Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. Going to shift gears on you a little bit. I, I always have to ask this question, which is as you reflect back over the entire journey, like, is, has there been like just a wacky client story or crazy project that comes to mind that you can share? Obviously, you can leave out details that maybe are too specific, but there's usually something. Anything coming to mind? I mean, I always like a good renovation. We did this lake house called Riverside. And it was, it just, the evolution of that house was unbelievable. Our own house, you, you know, our own house was a renovation. We, we bought it on a fluke, just wanted a second out at the lake. Funny story, we have a, a deer hunting farm near it and John wanted to build a cabin. And I was like, I can see the lake from part of the land, from part of the, the deer hunting farm. And I was like, you're going to make me look at the lake when it's right there and not be able to live, have a lake house. And he, he was like, I don't think we can afford it. So he started looking with a realtor and found one. And we it was pretty much a, a gut job. And any renovation, you tear something apart, you, you find something else. So, you know, we had mold issues. We had, you know, rotten wood. We had all kinds of problems when you tear stuff apart. But I just love the transformation of, of some of the houses we do. And we don't really do just a kitchen remodel or, a, you know, unless it depends on who it is, of course. But generally they're big remodels that are complete transformations and and that's so much fun to to do to witness and to then look at the photographs afterwards that's cool yeah 
John, yeah. anything coming to mind for you? Yeah, I mean, one thing I was going to share, you know, was was even though we're in the industry, when we did that renovation together at our own house, Heather wasn't allowed to be there. We 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 were doing it in conjunction with a TV show, and uh, she wasn't allowed to be there. I believe for the last week of it. So honestly, mm-hmm. seeing her when she showed up and wasn't able to see the finished product until that moment, it was that aha moment where she saw it all come together. And that's something that we see from a lot of clients. And I don't know that it's a wacky thing, but you can try to tell people, you can try to show them a schedule, you can talk about progress with them, you can try to talk them off the ledge when they get so close to the end of the project and they can't see that next piece. And it's always fun to be able to watch. The big reveal. Yeah, that that they just don't. (laughs) Yeah, how it's going to get from what they see right now to a couple weeks later to this wow moment. It's just it it always it always kind of just amazes me how they just don't they don't see it the same way we see it. And I think my my brain is programmed. I am a very black and white person. I don't live a lot in any gray world at all. And when I look at these projects, I almost detach personally with it. And it just is a widget that's getting done, 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 done. And you get to a certain point. But when you see that it really becomes real for them, seeing everybody's reaction. The funny part for me is it's almost comical to me to watch the relationships of the husband and wives or the partner, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, go back and forth. Because how they come in at the first meeting and how they actually interact as it goes and what people say and what they think they've said and what's in writing and, you know, just that whole, that whole. He said, she said. Yeah, this whole circus <laughs> that happens between the house. I, I would just love to be a, a camera in their house one day when they go back and forth and talk about it. And it just. It's almost comical sometimes because, you know, everybody's different, but everybody is so much the same. You know, there's different personalities, but you know very early on where things are going to go. And it's just fun. I mean, we've had some really neat projects. We've done, we've done some renovations and some really rundown, rundown buildings and seen homes that were just absolutely what people were afraid, afraid to walk in the house. And then you can get done with it three to six months later. And they're just like, oh my gosh, where is this? And you tell them and they're like, that's what you turned this house into. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just amazing. It's, that's one of the things that kind of keeps us going and we're able to see that vision. So it's, that's a lot of fun, but it's kind of, I don't, we don't have any crazy, crazy stories. I guess the biggest thing for me was one time we were doing an apartment deal in Birmingham, Alabama. And it was the day before the CO walk. And at four o'clock in the morning, my phone rang, not my phone rang, I got a text. And it was a video on the text. And all it was, was fire trucks in a burning building. Uh-oh. Yeah. And my heart just oh. yeah. sank. And it ended up being an arson situation, but that was one of those moments that was just like, you know, just a gut punch. And, yeah. what do you do? and it's just, you know, you, you kind of get up and you keep moving forward. You know, that's all you can do, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
I just remembered something funny about one of our, our spec houses, John. Do you remember that skunk that was living in the bathroom? Oh my god! Oh yeah. <laughs> and we couldn't get it. We couldn't get him out. We did escort him out. One of the I don't remember who got him out. I think the painters. And then the next morning, he was back in the shower in the master suite again. We yeah, just couldn't get this skunk to stay out of the house. I hope you got pictures <laughs> of that. <laughs> I don't know if we had we pictures did. of that. We probably we probably do. But the great part was it never They're, smelled like a skunk. And he never sprayed. Nobody ever scared him enough. But yeah, he kept. It was before, right at the beginning of construction, where you weren't able to secure the house. But you're right; he kept <laughs> he kept coming in the house. Oh, and he man. would always go to the master shower. It was so funny. Yeah, there was, was one like, shower he would always go to. Yeah, if funny, I could yeah. if I could have gotten him approved for a mortgage, I think he would have taken it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's pretty good. Cool. No, thanks for sharing. Those are great. And actually, as you were uh, describing like people walking in and kind of that emotional reaction, it gave me an idea like we should try to capture a montage of those reactions, like just plant a camera in, you, they walk in, you get their expression and then line up like 10 of those. And that'd be a great like marketing reel there on a video. So Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, it would because because it's, you know, it's especially in this world that we live in now where you deal with stress of not getting all of your appliances or not being able to, to confirm a mover and not being able to be able to rent someplace to be able to move if they can't get in. To finally get that, that them to be able to exhale and look at it and just be like, oh my gosh, it's everything we dreamed of and more. That's the, that's the cool part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, super cool. Well, I got two two questions to wrap us up. And uh, so the first one is more just like industry based and just pulling everybody. Like what do you guys think are one or two big challenges that just as an industry we're facing over the next 12 to 36 months that we all need to be kind of thinking about, rallying around, trying to to solve. Yeah, for me it's it's really looking at supply chain it's not just the raw materials, it's the, it's the land. There is a huge demand on, on getting developed lots so we actually can build. There's a shortage on existing homes that people can buy and renovate because there's nowhere to move to. And then you look at just the supply chain right now, it used to take us about seven to eight months to build a house from ground up. And we have some materials that are the day we order them are 23 to 26 weeks just to be able to get them. So wow. you're talking what used to be the life cycle of an entire project just to be able to get some products that need to be able to go in at, you know, at the beginning third of a, of a project. And, and so that we need to be able to figure that out because it extends loans for people. It extends time that they they are either renting a place and just figuring that out. And then on mm-hmm. the supply chain as well is the people, mm-hmm. is, is labor shortages. So we're short on people, we're short on materials, and we're short on land. And the demand up till right now is still growing as we're yeah. seeing, and it's still increasing right now. So that, that's where my mind usually usually sits is on that side 
Makes sense. Heather, anything else that's coming to your mind? Basically what he's saying, but from a process standpoint, you know, we've got our selection and design team have a tiered system, tier one, tier two, and tier three on selections where, you know, cabinet hardware, you don't really need to decide today, but so that's a tier three. So in the tier one, you know, just keeping our, our, our finger on the pulse of the, of the supply chain and understanding, you know, now windows are taking eight, you know, what do you say, John, 12 weeks, 14 weeks, something like that. Windows well, 20, we never 20. used to pick win, windows and appliances, you know, or things like that. We've got to move up the, up the selection process. So just trying to make sure we're, we're having the client direct the client into the, into the tier one selections that are the longest lead time. And it's not always the fun thing that they want to do. They want to talk about cabinets and countertops and you know I got to we got to tell them that you know we can get quartzite all day long we can't get sub free sub zero refrigerator right now if that's what you want that that kind of thing you know yeah so it's, no, it, it changes it, it just keeps changing on us yeah but I think that's great it's, it sounds like you guys are already making those adjustments where you, you're like getting familiar with the lead times so you're batching those on the front end of decision making and like yeah, those are those are good steps, and I'm sure there are others that we can all like crowdsource ideas on. You know, because yeah, I agree with you, John. Like, it doesn't look like this is going away. We're millions of homes short right now of the demand, yeah. so it's it's at least a three year problem, but it's probably a five to seven year problem. You know, unless mm-hmm. we can speed up some of these things. So, all right, well, to wrap up, if you guys could just leave one piece of advice for other remodelers, you know, design build folks out there, something you want to leave them with? I mean, I'll go. I think that one of the biggest things in is setting your your client's expectations, especially with remodels and, and I guess new construction also, but specifically in remodeling, we've got some people that think they're going to live in the house and we have to explain to them there's not going to be any power at times. We can't inter- we can't tell you when exactly. There's maybe no water. You may not have access to a bathroom and, and just setting their expectations on what the situation is going to look like and what it's going to be like and making sure they understand what they're getting into. Because it's exciting, but it also can be scary. So if you if kind of lead them into, it's going to look like a war zone and you're not going to have power for a while, but it's going to be, it's all normal and it's all going to be beautiful in the end. I just think setting expectations is huge. Yeah. Great advice. How about you, John? Yeah. I think for me, if I could give advice to anybody in our, in our same world is that I've spent a lot of time focusing in the past on the design or on the construction side of things. And I think that that was a miss a little bit because the trade partners are the people that really build and they're still going to build with or without me standing next to them watching or advising. It's really, I think the most or the best use of my energy is surrounding ourselves with people like yourself, looking at the trade partners that we're, we're working with, the designers, the consultants. Do we have a good platform to be able to communicate with clients with? Do we have good processes in-house that create the seamless communication from initial concept through design, through implementation? So it's focused much less on the construction, even though we're contractors, and focus on all of the stuff behind the scenes and who we communicate and work with behind the scenes 
I think that's what allows us to move forward and differentiates us from a lot of different clients that if our builders within our business can focus on the construction and everybody else can work as a, as a support center for them, and we can surround ourselves with really great professionals that specialize in all these other areas, I think that's what kind of makes us a cut above some of the other people. Yeah, yeah. Good advice. Well, and yeah, John, Heather, thanks so much for spending some time with me and sharing your story today. Thank you, Spencer. It was our pleasure. Thank you. Bye, Spencer. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.